Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Forming offense. Forming offense. Four minutes. Forming offense. Forming offense. Everything to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in Chavez Ravine, California. Diamondbacks crush the Los Angeles Angels 11-2 and take a 1-0 series lead in the best-of-five NLDS. Clayton Kershaw became the first pitcher in postseason history to allow the first five batters of a series to all score and all get a base hit. Ouch! Well, not for us. Merrill Kelly, six and a third. No earned runs. Tommy Pham went four for five. Diamondbacks look great. Now they try it again. Game two today. Zach Gallon on the hill. 17-9 on the season. Zach, with what you did against Milwaukee, did you get a feel for things that you can carry over to L.A.? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a season-long kind of just... It's a grind of just trying to, you know, make sure that feel, you know, feels how I want it to. Um. See what he could do today. And now he's going up against Bobby Miller, rookie, eleven and four with electric stuff. First pitch, six oh seven. Rest of the playoffs. Sorry, Jeff Weir. Philly shut out the Braves three to nothing. They've got a 1-0 series lead. Atlanta down at home. Game two today, three o'clock. Texas took the first two games of their series on the road in Baltimore. Game three is tomorrow. Astros have their game three tomorrow as well. They split at home. Game three is in Minnesota. Josh Dobbs, bad. Cardinals, a loser, 34-20. They dropped to 1-4 and four on the season. Jamar Chase set a Bengals franchise record. 15 receptions, 200 yards, three touchdowns. Hey, Jonathan Cannon, do you realize he's running rough shot against your defense? can't let their best player beat you, and that's what we just did. So that's fall solely on me, um, and we can't let that happen again. So point blank, there's the game on defense. You let their best player beat you. I'm pissed off about it. It's my fault, and uh, we got to get that cleaned up. Whoa, hello. Josh Dobbs, 15 of 32, less than 50%, 166 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, one of them a horrible, horrible pick six. Up next, Rams on the road, Sunday, 125. Oh, ASU lost by three. They marched down, got the tying touchdown late, and then gave up a bomb that set up a late field goal. Colorado wins 27-24. Hey, Coach, what are you guys going to do now during the bye week? Healthy. Looking to get healthy. Oh, okay. I, mean, I think we're, we're out nine or ten starters that we projected to go into the year, mm. and our guys are battling. Wow. U of A, on the other hand... They lost 43-41 in triple overtime. USC made their two-point conversion. U of A didn't. Fafita was great, though. 23-35, 303 yards, five touchdown passes, one pick. At Wazoo, up next, 4 o'clock kick in Pullman. Sun's a winner, 131-26 in Detroit. KD and Book averaged about one point a minute, and Grayson Allen led all scores with 18. <laughs> Phoenix 
surprising loss, 2-1 to one to Mexico United. They dropped the sixth place last game Saturday, 5.30 at Colorado Springs. And finally, oh, what did this guy do? Driving his 1974 International Harvester tractor. He ran in to a RAV4. So what did he do? He tried to escape in the tractor. Well, the RAV4 called police and followed behind him. He was arrested, charged with driving under the influence and trying to flee the scene of an accident. He was then processed and released. 17 minutes later, he got back in the tractor and was driving down the street again. The police remembered the tractor and pulled him over for a second DUI in 20 minutes. This time he was not released. Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our Honky Tonk Brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. We all knew he was going to be great. We all knew he'd eventually get healthy. But... If I'm sitting here off the clock, how, how do I know? I, I don't know that. So, I forgot that he said he was feeling fine. Why don't we have an organic football podcast hotline? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merc. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. That? No, shoot. Where is it? There There we go, and there we go. That was poorly done right there. Not a good way to start off the Monday. Uh, I'm all in D-backs paraphernalia today, uh, jacked up for hopefully my prediction being correct. I said D-backs in four. 
And then I also said whoever wins game one wins the series. So I could go 0 for 2 on this if the Dodgers get on a roll. But I am uh, jacked up about what I saw. Uh, I'm, we're going to stick it to uh, CEO Chris today. We need to spend some money and create a, an organic football podcast hotline. You've got emergency questions, and we've got to find a way to get the answer. So here's, here's my story uh, yesterday. I am so far behind in the amount of games that I watch. It just one of the worst moments ever to be this far behind as the sister-in-law came to town this weekend to surprise Jennifer. And it was a wonderful weekend with her. We did all kinds of things, and I'm f- fantastically behind. So we leave Mass Sunday, and it, she's got to go to the airport. So therefore, we decide, well, let's just you know take her to the airport now. And we'll stop by and get lunch. So we went to Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Sunday. As long as Bell's has been the first ever and original sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged, I have never actually been to the Sunday brunch before. And it was crazy delicious. Amazing. I had three eggs with the Nashville hot chicken right on top of it. And I don't know what this cheesy hash brown thing was, but it was incredible. Incredible. So that was my breakfast. Had a great time. Of course, I had a couple kit lifters with breakfast. It was wonderful time, blah, blah, blah. Well, while I'm eating, Camille, the bartender, comes up and she goes, you are just the man I need to talk to. And I'm thinking, I, what in the world is this going to mean? And then she says, you know the Bengals quarterback? I said, yeah, yeah. I've never met him, but I know him. And she goes, well, yeah, yeah, he, he has done really bad. So I picked up the Cardinals quarterback. I said, wow, okay, uh, the Cardinals quarterback's okay. And she goes, well, which one should I start? Now, why don't we have an organic football podcast, organic football show hotline right then and there so people can call immediately to find out answers to their questions? Because I told her, well, you know what? You probably, in my opinion, should start Dobbs because eventually you're going to see uh, him go off. Burrow's going to go off eventually, but we don't know when and we don't know how healthy. Now, here I am. I'm off the clock. It's Sunday afternoon. I'm thinking of eggs and beer, and that's the only thing on my mind. And so you would think that, therefore, I would, I would always be on, but no, I'm not on at that moment. And I forgot Joe Burrow had said that he was feeling better than he had, had felt all year. And he was going to be fine. I forgot. So I told her to start Joshua Dobbs. Joe Burrow actually started against me in my fantasy league. And he had 23.38 points. Sorry. So Camille... I just wanted to say you're a great bartender and you get lousy fantasy advice. <laughs> my bad. I got destroyed by my own kid, 126 to 87. The pain was I have two a tongue of Iloa, and you would think he did well, right? He had 19 points. The problem is he kept throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill, and that's who she has. And then Tyreek Hill just killed me. Just killed me. Combined with Joe Burrow, it was a bad day. It was a bad day of uh, of fantasy football for me. How was your weekend? What did you uh, get accomplished? Did you do anything thrilling? Was it all football all the time? ASU U of A Saturday was unbelievably dramatic. So that had to be uh, great. 
Today I'm swamped. I got about an hour and a half of sleep, so I certainly want to try to get a nap today. And I got a text from an ASU source, and he said, hey, can you come get a beer? There's somebody you need to talk to. I have no idea what that means. None. I said, okay. So I'm hoping to get home, get a nap, get back out there to uh, where I'm going to uh, to meet him for this beer. So it, this could be pretty interesting. This could be pretty interesting. Uh, to also, coming up a little later on the show, for you, something I already know all about it, I'm thrilled to present this to you. I teased it on Friday. It came through. I've got it. And you're going to be so excited to hear it. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Greg Schulte. Yeah, Greg Schulte, play-by-play voice for your Arizona Diamondbacks. Named the play-by-play voice before game one in the team's history in 1998. And now, as soon as the Diamondbacks get knocked out of the playoffs, he is then out of a job. Granted, he's retiring. And uh, just a good friend, really good man. I've known him ever since I moved here. He used to do a a segment on our show, on the old show, once a week uh, during the season. I care about him greatly, and it's really cool that he said yes. So we recorded this yesterday, but it's about Saturday's game and tonight's game. So it's still very, very timely. So that's coming up in a minute. So please stay tuned. For Greg Schulte, I think you'll be thrilled to death. We talk about his life, his career, and the Dodger series. So you get everything you want. And then we'll do hardcore uh, football coming up at about 7 o'clock today. Sound credits. Uh, Sun Devil Source gave us the Kenny Dillingham we want to talk about today. MLB Network and the MLB PR Department sent us the Tori Lovello and Zach Allen. And we got Dobbs and uh, head coach Jonathan Gannon from azcardinals.com. I apologize if you're a U of A fan, but the audio, for some reason, U of A did not know what they were doing in this presser or USC stuck it to them. I don't know which one it was, but the audio from the U of A presser is horrific. And it was so bad, I decided I I can't even use it. So I want to talk U of A, but you won't hear it through the mind of Jed Fish, but I'll make sure we get a lot of Jed Fish for you coming up tomorrow. All right, let's roll. Doug's big one. Uh, Doug's big one today is going to be a little tough for me to uh, to get through. To be quite uh, to be quite blunt, I was shocked. I told you that I was out and about a lot yesterday, so I turned it to the uh, old station because I do like to listen to Dave Pash and Ron Wolfley. And as I was listening, I heard Paul doing the color, and I thought that's strange. Wolf never misses a game, and so I texted Wolf and I said, "Hey." I'm sorry, uh, I don't mean this as a jerk, but I don't listen to your show. So anything that's happened, uh, I don't know about. Are you okay? And as no sooner than I sent that text, Dave Pash on the broadcast said Paul Calvisi filling in for Wolf, and Wolf lost his younger brother who died in his sleep, and Wolf is attending to Family Matters. And I, I was just devastated for Wolf. Absolutely devastated. He is the, uh, 
uh, son of five, one of five children. He has two sisters and a younger brother. His older brother, Craig, played football for Syracuse, which is not too far from where they're from in Orchard Park, New York. And interestingly enough, Wolf did not want to follow in his brother's footsteps because he felt like, I will never be as good as my brother, so I don't want everybody wondering, why aren't you as good as your brother? So he went to West Virginia. Well, young Dale... Wolf likes to joke. Dale Wolfley decided, I can't follow in Craig's footsteps either. Craig ended up playing, I think, 12 years, 11 with the Steelers, and then he played one year somewhere else, and I can't remember. So he said to himself, I can do a lot better at following Ron's footsteps than Craig's. So he went to West Virginia as well. Was a great football player at West Virginia and really devoted his life to the city and to Morgantown, West Virginia. His son is a coach at Morgantown High School. He was a member of the front office, a member of the athletic department, a color analyst and media personality in Morgantown. Dale Wolfley was the big man on campus. And that entire family is just a dream come true group of people. Well, Dale died in his sleep at 56 years of age. And, you know, I think I just happened to say this last month. Out of everything that happened with me and that company, I mean, for 15 years, about 50 weeks a year, 49 weeks a year, I'm sitting right across from Ron Wolfley. And, you know, a lot of people think they know us because they listen to the show. And it's, it's a strange bond when you work with somebody for 15 straight years very strange bond because we probably talk to each other one two or three times a year and two of those times was when wolf was lost trying to get to a remote (laughs) we didn't talk on the phone a lot because we didn't need to we talked to each other for five hours straight every day four on the air about 30 minutes 40 minutes before before the show about 15 20 minutes after the show texted each other about once a month if something big happened and I was preparing him for whatever I was going to say that was probably going to cause him problems from the Cardinals. I just wanted to give him a heads up on how I felt. But at the same time, even though off away from the studios, like, hey, we've already seen each other forever. You know, while we're at the studio, we were close. It didn't matter that we might have gotten into arguments and stuff. And the thing that I miss the most is just knowing about our families. You know, every time I came into the office on a Monday morning like today, Wolf Wolf would say, Doug Lease, how was your weekend? That was a bad Wolf imitation. But he would say that every time. He really cared about the weekend. I would tell him how my weekend was. I would ask him about his or when did he get home from the Cardinals road trip, whatever it might be. And he would speak glowingly a lot about his family, not only his wife, who he adored, and his children, who he loved, But he also loved talking about his brothers, especially Dale, his younger brother. And the respect he had for Dale was just so immense. And when I saw that, that Dale had passed, I'll never forget, we had Craig on the show on my last show, and Craig said, Doug, you're a brother, you're in the family. And even though that just sounds, you know, like a guy is just shooting the crap with you a little bit and having some fun, you don't say that in the Wolfley family unless you mean it. That's just who they are. They meant that when they said, you're included in the family. I'm a brother just like the rest. And I met Dale once. 
I know Dale through Wolf, but I do feel like I lost a brother too. But I don't want to say that because then that's kind of like subjecting myself into a story and there's no way I have the pain that Wolf has this weekend. But it was it was tough. It was really, really tough to uh, to read that, to hear that. And then later on in the day, I got a text from Wolf that just said, because uh, I had ended my text with, hey, I love you. If you need something, let me know. And he texted back simply, Dale died in his sleep last night. I love you too. And that was it. So truth be told, I would like to surprise him. Um, I'd like to find out when the services are, when the services are and surprise him. I don't think I'll be able to pull that off in such short notice. Um, I, I, I say this somewhat jokingly, but really not. One of the greatest lines I've ever heard is from the famous Yogi Berra, who once said, you should go to other people's uh, funerals because if you don't go to theirs, they won't go to yours. (laughs) And, And in typical yogi fashion that made absolutely perfect sense to him (laughs) and you know what in a strange sort of way it's really not bad advice and uh whenever someone is gone obviously funerals are more for everybody else and i'd like to be there for a wolf and i don't think he'll ever see this and he doesn't need to see it because he probably knows what's on my heart because if the roles were reversed it would be on his heart but uh but wolf for what little this means because it's god's world and not mine i'm sorry i'm just really sorry for the pain that you guys are going through and i'm really proud of you because i know er, the earlier version of you would have tried to stay for the football game would have stayed to do color and uh this city loves you so much we don't we don't need you (laughs) that's the only way i can say it we love you so much we don't need you to do color for one weekend i'm glad that you decided to go with your family uh coming up next Going to go right into the Greg Schulte conversation, and it'll definitely lift you up as I kind of brought us down a little bit after my friend lost his brother. But Greg Schulte's just fantastic. Do you want to know about the trip to L.A., about the series in Milwaukee, winning game one, getting ready for tonight, and some great stories about a legendary broadcaster that's been in Phoenix for well over 30 years, Greg Schulte. The voice of the Diamondbacks. Next on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Well, I am so appreciative of this. While sitting in Los Angeles on the strange television schedule off day between two Dodger home games, Greg Schulte had a minute to grab the phone and call in and join us here on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. And Greg, congratulations to you that all the Diamondbacks organization got together to do whatever they could to extend your career. I'm really happy for you. <laughs> yeah, I am too. It's been fun. And, uh, I, I tell everybody, everybody's been saying, well, you know, you're riding it out, but it, it's, it's a great experience for these young kids. Uh, a job well done during the regular season, and now they've uh, kind of, ex- I think they've kind of accepted the fact that uh, they're a pretty good ball club, and they're no longer rookies, and uh, they're having fun, and it's it's been a fun postseason so far. How do you sum up your last year? I mean, 16 games above 500, competing with the Braves for the best team in baseball, and then, you know, you hate to say it, just a trash July that made it seem like that this team is go- is already focused on the draft or something, and then 
come right back to battling it out to the very last day playoff team and now two wins away from an NLCS that no one thought was going to happen. Well, I think it's kind of been uh, a microcosm of uh, 26 years of Diamondbacks baseball. Uh, A lot of good, uh, a lot of uh, not so good, and a lot of mediocre. So it's kind of one of those seasons all wrapped in one. Fortunately, uh, now that they had a chance to get to the postseason, uh, they're playing their best baseball they played probably since uh, the month of uh, May or maybe even June. So it's – it, it's been fun, and uh, again, it, it's it's really fun watching these kids play. They have no fear, which is a great thing. I mean, they just they just like to play the game. They go out there, and uh, you know, we have four twenty three year olds in the lineup every day. Not many teams can can say that and be as competitive as what the Arizona Diamondbacks are. So, uh, I think the future really bodes well, Doug, for uh, the Diamondback organization. Period. With how young they are and how exciting the, the game of baseball is getting for them. Are you sure this is the right time, Greg? Are you sure you don't want to wait five years to see how the, the Corbin Carroll era plays out or something? Well, I was having breakfast the other morning with uh, team owner Ken Kendrick, and he asked me the same question. <laughs> and I said, no, I said, it's, uh, you know, it, it's time. And it, it is. Uh, 26 seasons, uh, almost 4,000 ball games called, and uh, it's just time to get the old vocal cords uh, and the microphone arrest and uh, let somebody else have an opportunity to do what I've enjoyed for a lot of years. I had planned to have retired, Doug, I think you remember last year, and yeah. uh, I had the bout with cancer, and we didn't want to go out that way, so I have to do the home games this year. But I did tell them, you know, if everything felt okay and we had a chance to play in the postseason, I'd make the postseason trek. So I'm doing that right now, and uh, it's been fun. It's uh, It reinvigorates you, just so to speak. I, I bet, I bet. If I can get personal, how is, how is the health, my friend? So far, everything's good. Uh, you know, we go in for the uh, quarterly testing, and uh, uh, all the numbers have been good, and everything's been checking out. So uh, uh, we just kind of take it one step at a time. I've been through it before. I know what, uh, what's coming and uh, how long a process it is. But, uh, you know, it's, it is what it is, yeah. and you deal with it and go on from there. Everybody's got problems. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're a beautiful man to look at it like that. You know, I, I, I remember hearing – Dan Marino talk about getting to the Super Bowl so early and thinking this is normal and you yeah. know, it's going to happen again. How do you look at getting to the World Series since it so happened? I don't want to say early in your career because you've obviously did a lot of other things before you were the Diamondbacks play-by-play voice, but so early in your tenure as the Diamondbacks play-by-play voice. Well, we really got spoiled in Arizona. I mean, uh, season number one, the team lost 97 games as an expansion team. Then they've won 100 games. Uh, in season number two, they pick up Kurt Schilling. They get close in season three, and then they win everything in season four. So uh, that had never happened before. And uh, I don't know if it will ever happen again, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. but uh, it did happen. And uh, it's, it's been a long time coming. Fortunately, the Diamondbacks had some other runs. They got to the National League Championship Series in 07, uh, 2011, that was a surprise year under Kurt Gibson. Uh, they've had some good years. They've had some really lean years. They've had a couple of seasons where they've lost 110, 111 ball games. Uh, 2017, Tori Lavello's first year, you know, he gave us a lot of hope by getting the Diamondbacks to the postseason. And we had that great wild card game with Colorado and then lost three straight to the Dodgers. It's been a tough go, really, uh, for everybody in the National League West since the Dodgers started ruling things 
uh, in 2012 and just taking over the division and winning the division year in and year out and just kind of dominating everybody else, which they kind of did again. They won the division yeah. by 16 games. The Diamondbacks finished in second place this year, and, uh, you know, that's the closest they've felt in a long time to this ball club. But, you know, it uh, kind of goes to show you that uh, nothing's easy. Um, there have been teams uh, in baseball that still haven't won the World Series. You know, just go uh, west uh, to the other border, uh, yep. uh, the Pacific border there, and that's San Diego Ball Club. They've had some good ball clubs, and they've been to the World Series a couple of times, but have never won it. Rockies have never won it, so uh, there are others around that uh, you know are, are wanting to get there, but they have not been able to do so thus far. What's the best thing about your job? Uh, going to watch a baseball game and talking about it, for, uh, you know, for three hours nightly, and you never know what you're going to see. Uh, this young ball club said eight home runs in three ball games. Uh, they would, they were hitting nothing, absolutely nothing, at the end of the season. They couldn't buy it. I think they had their last four games. I think uh, the highest hit total they had in any one game was five. I think they had two games with three hits and one hit with uh, one game with four hits. And they couldn't score runs. <clears throat> and then, excuse me. Then all of a sudden, they come out of the shoot here in the postseason. Uh, they fall behind, and you get a little concerned in game one. They they rally back. Uh, Corbin Carroll hits a home run. Uh, Marte hits a home run. And the next thing you know, uh, they get the lead. The bullpen was outstanding. They get the win. Mm. Same holds true the next night. They fall behind. They come back. They take the lead. Bullpen holds through. They get another win. So And then last night, to come out of the gate the way they did against Clayton Kershaw, that was long overdue mm-hmm. <laughs> to do that against Kershaw and the Dodgers. But uh, uh, just to just strike the way they did and silence that uh, huge Dodger Stadium crowd like they did. There was a fan who actually in center field, they saw the video that uh, early in the ball game after Kershaw had left, took off his Kershaw jersey, ran down to the uh, – uh, the, the wall and then threw it over the wall onto the field. <laughs> so, yes. You know, that, that made me, that made me feel good <laughs> when I saw that because this guy has done it to the Diamondbacks for so long. The Dodgers uh, likewise have done it to the Diamondbacks uh, so long, but uh, you know, at least for one night, the Diamondbacks got the Dodgers and they got them in LA. Every postseason that you've done as the play-by-play guy, they've all been special in their own right. What, what's special about this team? I think the youth, and uh, I think they're just naive enough to, to not realize how good they are. Mm. To be honest with you, I, I just think they're, they're a bunch of young kids who like to play baseball. Uh, you know, they played baseball well as, as, as youths, and uh, now all of a sudden that they're playing professional baseball, uh, they've been coached well by the Diamondback organization, and, and now they're up here and they're all doing it together. And I, I think a lot of that bodes well. So many of these kids were playing in the minor leagues a couple of years ago together. So you've got better than half your roster that, uh, you know, know each other really, really well. And you add a few uh, uh, veterans to the case, like uh, Guriel, who came over in the trade, along with Marino from the Toronto Ball Club, a guy like Longoria. And, uh, you know, you, you put them into the mix and uh, they kind of lead the way and help these young kids. Tommy Pham was brought in. And, you know, Pham's been a little controversial in his career, but the one thing they say about it, they swear as a teammate that he's one of the best around. I think the Diamondback players would say that also, what he's brought to the ball club in that trade they got from the Mets. So 
it's just a combination, but uh, I just think the naivety of this ball club and, and, and not realizing how good they are and what they're doing and, and just going out there and trying playing baseball uh, like they did probably on the, uh, uh, the, the baseball fields around their homes when they were kids growing up, not even the league competition, just going out on a Saturday afternoon and getting a bunch of guys together and playing baseball and enjoying it. You know, in your job, it's different than mine, but there's a similarity in the sense that you almost stop rooting for teams and you start rooting for people as you get to know more yeah. and more people. Who is who's your favorite player now as an adult versus when you were a kid? Favorite player now? I, I like all these kids on this book, but I really have taken to, to Marino and Perdomo, okay. uh, what, what these guys have done. Uh, Marino came over. He was highly touted uh, from Toronto. Uh, it was a big trade uh, for Varsho, and he has no fear. Uh, he, he grew up watching Miguel Cabrera and really watched Cabrera handle the bat and drive a lot of balls to right field. And that's one of the uh, exceptional traits that we're seeing out of uh, Gabby Marino. Uh, anytime he wants, if he's got a pitch over the plate, he can hit the ball through the right side of the infield or drive it down the right field line. It's been amazing uh, what he's been able to do in that capacity. But I think he's dialed it up a notch, too. And now we're seeing him start to pull some balls and seeing the kind of power this young man's got. He's got a terrific future ahead of him. But to put everything on his shoulders like the Diamondbacks have done as a kid catching for the first time on the major league level, handling the pitching staff, uh, blocking balls in the dirt, throwing out base runners, uh, getting up, calling time, and going out and having a conversation with this pitcher when he notices something's wrong. And to do those things along with the things he's done offensively, uh, that, that's been just terrific for me. And, and I really enjoy watching this kid. He's a good kid. Uh, you don't see him smile a lot, but he does smile. He enjoys it. He's trying to learn the English language to help him along, you know, even more so. Uh, so I pull for him. Perdomo's just a joy. I mean, he, he's just uh, – he's a slick defender. He got thrust into action last year when Ahmed was hurt. Uh, played the uh, shortstop position uh, really well. He made some errors. Defensively this year, he's one of the best shortstops, I think, in the game. He, anything he can get to, he's going to make the play, and he's done a lot of that. He's, he's improved offensively with the bat. Uh, he's not afraid to run the count. He takes pitches. Uh, he'll draw his fair share of walks. He's always smiling. He's having fun out there. He really enjoys playing the game. So I enjoy watching guys like that. Obviously, Carol Thomas, uh, you know, McCarthy, these young guys, uh, they all go happens, go hand in hand. But, uh, you know, the, the two kids, like I said, Moreno and Perdomo are really a lot of fun to watch. You, you can imagine the years that I was doing sideline with ASU. I've got some great Tim Healy and Jeff Van Rapphorst travel stories and funny yeah. anecdotes at dinner or a sponsor who did something weird. Give me your, out of all these years, give me your favorite travel story. Oh, boy. Uh, favorite travel story. Oh, man. I had some with Tom Dillon over the years. Uh, Tom was a longtime uh, ASU uh, sports broadcaster, of course, uh, with KTAR, he and I would partner up, and we'd we'd run a car and you know go from uh, Pullman, Washington, to uh, uh, wherever we needed to go up to Spokane, uh, you know, to catch the plane and get out. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I think just a lot of the different places we ate, 
and uh, um, over the years, it, I'm trying to think of anything in particular that would stand out here that I could tell on the air. <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and I can't come up with it. It is a podcast, so you're a little yeah, safer, I, I, but I know that. it goes I public. Know <laughs> I, I know that, but uh, just, it, you know, it's been, I think one of the things I really wish I would have done over the years is uh, uh, we get a lot of off days and uh, a lot of days where maybe a day game, you've got the evening off. So uh, the one thing I wish I would have done over the years, Doug, is uh, made notes of all the different places we've eaten. And, okay. uh, you know, I've gone, done some kind of, not necessarily a cookbook, but, uh, you know, some kind of a, a place to eat type thing. I think it would have been a big hit because we've uh, we've tried them all over, uh, you know, what, 40 years, I guess, of me covering uh, sports here in Arizona. From the Pac-10 to uh, first four years of Cardinals football, the uh, Diamondbacks and uh all those years I traveled with Al McCoy uh, doing Suns basketball. So it's, it's, it's been a lot of travel. It's, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, uh, oh, the one thing we had, I remember in Australia, we were, we, uh, we were playing the Dodgers. I think this was 14 to uh, open up the season, left spring training, went over there. We're on the bus to, to get to the ballpark. And we had a big old flat tire and we had to walk about a mile. Uh, you know, things like that happen. We've, we've had several flat tires with the Diamondbacks. Uh, we had one on the uh, the Bay Bridge one time where everybody had to pile into, uh, uh, you know, one bus to get across. Uh, we played in Cooperstown back in 2000, I think it was, another flat tire story. Um, two buses, we had to drive back to Albany. We had to drive back to Albany to catch our flight after the Diamondbacks played Cleveland in the uh, Hall of Fame game. And uh, I'm on the first bus, you know, the, the broadcasters are on the first bus with the coaches and that. And we get about, oh, I say 10, 15 miles down the road, and all of a sudden we pull over and we stop, and everybody's wondering what's going on, not paying a lot of attention. But then uh, all of a sudden the, the bus driver makes a U-turn, and we go back, and we're thinking, what the heck's going on? And the word circulated back to us that the other bus had broke down or had a flat tire or something, and we're going to have to pile all the players onto our bus. So we've got, <laughs> you know, 55, 60 on our bus, and, uh, you know, about half of them are standing up. We're making the drive to Albany, which wasn't a really short drive. But, uh, you know, things like that, that add up. And uh, <clears throat> I guess I'm going to have to be more prepared for these things to find some good ones. <laughs> but as I go along, I, I think of some here and there. But uh, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of different things, uh, a lot of different players, uh, a lot of different restaurants, uh, a lot of different hotels all over the years. And, uh I'll miss some of that, but uh, it's, like I said, it's time for me to kind of hang things up. And uh, for the first time, I guess, since, let me see, I've been working part-time at least when I was a kid uh, from 1966 on. My first broadcast job was 1971, so it's been 52 years since uh, I've had a break of any kind as far oh as working. Gosh, so I'm, I'm ready to take one. Well, uh, not to make you feel bad, I'm 51 years old, so you've been <laughs> you've been doing. Yeah, this. I, got, I got into the business really early, believe me. But uh, I'm I'm really glad I did. I will, in fact, when I go back to Milwaukee, quick little story. I went to a broadcast school out of high school. I graduated in 1969, and uh, back then they had these, you know, uh, like trade schools. And this was a yep. broadcast school. It's called Kerr Academy of Broadcasting. They had several in the Midwest. And I think they might have had even a few of them on the East Coast. So I went to Milwaukee. It's about a six-month course. 
where we stay right now, which is a Fister Hotel, is right downtown. But about a block away or so, block and a half, is a, uh, uh, a big cathedral. And they call that Cathedral Square. And there are a bunch of brick buildings right there of businesses. There's one right now that uh, houses a restaurant. And that used to be the school that I went to, Career Academy of Broadcasting. Uh, stay, we stayed uh, in the uh, <clears throat> Milwaukee School of Engineering dorms. Wow. Uh, while we were there. So that was about another two blocks away. But uh, at that time in 1969, the Milwaukee Bucks had just drafted a kid by the name of Lou Alcindor out of UCLA. <laughs> so he happened to live in some apartment buildings across from the Milwaukee School of Engineering. And there were a couple of other players that also lived in those uh, buildings. And uh, there was a big basketball court down below and a bunch of us were playing basketball one day and here comes Lou Alcindor and Bob Dandridge uh, who was a a forward a pretty good player in his day and uh, they asked if they could join in and work on some things so here we all are we're you know a bunch of kids uh, just out of high school and going to broadcast school and we're playing a pickup game with uh, a future (laughs) hall of famer and he was just working on a skyhook and stuff like that it was just kind of a uh, pick me up and uh, let them work. But we we played for about 45 minutes or so, and then they packed it in, said thanks, uh, left, and, and that was it. But you never know what you're going to run into. I tell you, you talk about a summer, too. Um, it, in, in broadcasting back then, learning the business, first off, we had the man on the moon. Uh, we had the uh, Manson murders, and we also had uh, Woodstock going on so there were a lot of things to cover back in 69 but well, that kind of takes me back that's how i got my interest in broadcasting i wanted to be a baseball broadcaster from the time i was eight but uh that really assured me right there this is the business i wanted to begin if that's me i'm gonna stop playing and i'm gonna set up a little table and i'm gonna start doing play-by-play of the game if i'm in broadcasting <laughs> school and lou alcinder's there come on <laughs> I got more fun playing basketball against him. <laughs> that's still, that's still a class. Do, do, do yeah. you remember shooting over him? Were you able to get your uh, shot off? Or? I remember taking one shot and I missed, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. It mm. was fun. So we saw him play a couple of games, you know, while we were there too. And, oh, of course. Uh, but that, you know, I go into these different cities and uh, I've got memories and here and there, but you know, over 26 years, uh, the travel gets a little bit old. You can only do so much. If you have friends, you know, you can go visit friends in these towns, but you can only go see the Statue of Liberty or, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge and all that so many times. So I would have loved, though, for your 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 traveling cookbook or whatever you were going to call <laughs> yeah. it. I would have loved to have seen. Now, granted, when you mentioned the, the beginning of the Cardinals, you wouldn't have had the phone to do it with. But I would love to have seen the pictures of the people that were with you at all of oh, these yeah. different restaurants yeah. considering the eclectic group of people you've worked with over the years yeah you know al mccoy and uh joe prosky uh, both in the ring of honor for the suns and uh, we i mentioned tom Dillon. tom uh it was so good and for so many years and we were really close friends and we uh and tom uh, always did asu football and when there was basketball going on i would sit in for him for basketball uh until the football season was over uh, you know, and, and, and we'd shared the baseball play-by-play. And uh, what else? Cardinal football. I worked with Tom. I worked with uh, Gary Bender, uh, Todd Walsh, 
And, uh, you know, we, we did the first four years of Cardinals football. I did pretty much every little aspect of that. I didn't do the play-by-play, but uh, did a few ball games where I had to be the analyst because either Gary or Tom was not available. Tom and I one time, uh, we did ASU football and had to do the Cardinals ball game. So, you know, it was quick turnaround. Uh, mm-hmm. Wherever ASU was, we'd have to get to the Cardinals stadium. We did a game one time in uh, L.A. I think it was at UCLA. We had to get to LAX to catch a flight out to be at RFK Stadium oh. for the Cardinal-Washington game the next day. Todd Walsh had gone ahead. Todd was uh, there ready to, uh, you know, carry the broadcast in any capacity he could, you know, hopefully pregame show, and we were supposed to be there. So at the end of the game, it was a longer game. We got to the airport and we missed our flight. Oh. And we kind of knew that, but there was nothing we could do about it until we got to the airport. So we found a flight that would take us to Dallas and get us to Dallas uh, where we would get up early in the morning and then board a flight and arrive. I think we got into uh, uh, Reagan downtown, which really helped us. We had to go to uh, Dulles. We'd have, you know, really been in yeah. bad shape. So we flew in and uh, we got, we, we slept for a couple hours, got up, uh, caught a flight and we got to Reagan we got to the uh, stadium. We're walking in with the fans, and Todd is just signing on for the start of the game broadcast. He'd done through the, gone through the pregame show, and here's Tom and I just walking up the steps. He sees us, and we could just see this nervous sigh of relief. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he was going to have to do play-by-play. <laughs> but here, you know, here comes the play-by-play guy and the analyst to do the ball game just before kickoff. Tom <laughs> – Tom just laid down his briefcase. We both put on our headphones. Didn't have anything put on the on the desk yet that would help us out as far as charts and all that kind of stuff. And we took it and ran from there. So we've had close calls. Uh, uh, Tom and I went. Preston, you know, remember Preston Westmoreland? Yes, yes. Uh, Preston, long time with Papping Band. Preston is a pilot. We had a, an ASU football game, and the uh, Sun Devils were playing that night up in uh, Flagstaff and Preston flew us in his little plane. I sat back in the cargo section, you know, <laughs> just kind of scrunched up and everything. He flew us up to uh, NAU, you know, the, the airport there in, uh, in Flagstaff. And uh, we, we got a taxi to take us to the, uh, uh, the Sky Dome. And uh, we basically walked in about 30 minutes or so before, uh, the tip off and, uh, you know, picked up our broadcast there. So <laughs> a lot of fun stuff. We, uh, George Allen, uh, the late George Allen yeah. was the first, uh, to host, uh, the, uh, sports line. He and I, one time we would do a uh, football game of the week on, uh, Cox. It wasn't Cox back then. They had several different names. I'm trying to think of what it was back then. But uh, anyway, it was on TV, and uh, we would do a Friday night game of the week, and I believe it was Girard High School. They didn't have a press box, so we pulled up a pickup truck at about uh, the 40-yard line and uh, set up shop and stood up and uh, broadcast a a high school football (laughs) game there. So, But you know what? I, I tell everybody, and I mean this, I'm glad I learned the business, every bit of the business, because I think it made me better and made me appreciate more the job of the others who do what uh, they do to make us better and put us on the air. Amen. And we can understand and we can 
you know, help them out maybe with knowing something or whatever. Um, it, it seems like now, and I, I'm not, you know, rubbing this off on uh, all the all the kids that are in the business or, or going to school to learn the broadcast business, but it it seems to me that there are a lot of them uh, who who get out of college, Doug, or um, you know, the Cronkite School, uh, all the great schools, and all they want to do is start in Los Angeles or New York yep. or Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. You know, start in Boise, Idaho, or where I did, Moline, Illinois. Uh, you know, learn the business, learn something about the business. Um, it, it, it's more fun that way. Amen. It really is. And uh, I, I think they'd be a lot better off for it. Amen. I used to do play-by-play at Joe Burrow's high school, but he wasn't even born yet, you know? So, yeah. so yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm glad I did the high school sports yes. stuff. And, uh, you know, I used to do softball games uh, softball tournaments and all that and i had a blast doing it hey man you gotta you gotta make it fun all right last question yeah. have you yeah. have you allowed yourself to dream you know players can't look ahead players need to look at yeah. game two and only focus on game two but have you allowed yourself to dream of your career ending on one more world series i have not um i probably will here sometime down the road but uh, it's just been too much fun being in the moment and, uh, you know, if it gets there, it gets there. If it doesn't, it's, it's been, I think, a longer run than most people thought uh, would happen. And, uh, again, it, it bodes well for the future of this ball club. I think that would be great, you know, to, to be in there. Again. I was just hoping for one more postseason to call, and I've already got mad dream. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's there for the taking. Uh, if they continue to play haphazard and uh, getting the job done and, and not realizing what they're doing, then I, I think we're in pretty good shape with this ball club going forward. But, uh, you know, they've still got two more games to win over the Dodgers. And then beyond that, you got Philadelphia and Atlanta. So mm-hmm. you take it one step at a time. They got one step done. They got a partial step of uh, the second big step going forward. But uh, I'll take it one game at a time as they're doing and they enjoy every minute the column baseball. Well, you'll never know what you mean to me. There were two. You, this isn't going to shock you. When I got let go, there were two people that reached out within a few hours of the word going public, and that was you and Al McCoy. And, uh, <laughs> and I was just always touched by that because with our crazy schedules of me being up at three in the morning and you being up until three in the morning. It's not yeah. like you and I or Al and I have had a long, you know, a lot of long dinners and a lot of long nights at the bar or anything like that. And uh, for you to take a second to reach out, that always meant a lot to me. And uh, I, uh, just because you're retiring, this podcast is starting to do well. So I am bothering you throughout your retirement <laughs> to get your opinion on Diamondbacks games. Cause I know you're not going to totally detach. You're going to be watching no, some be, games. I'll be glad to give you my opinion on Diamondbacks baseball. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, it, it, I, I didn't like what had happened. Uh, it's happened to all of us in this business. Uh, but we go forward, and uh, you're talented enough. I knew something would come up for you. And uh, as you said, it looks like things are going well, and that's the bottom part. Uh, it's hard to keep good people down, and uh, it looks like uh, – you're back up and on your feet and raring to go. Oh, that's cool of you, Greg. Hey, have a great broadcast. Uh, thanks a bunch. Great to talk to you. Okay. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me. Hopefully you thought that was as cool as I did to be able to spend uh, almost 30 minutes with the play-by-play voice of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And it, there's only been about three people in my life that's ever done this. But when the interview was over yesterday, he texted me. 
Thanks for having me on. That was fun, Doug. I just, somebody gives you 30 minutes of their time and then they thank you for taking it. I was like, wow, what a good guy. What a good man. Hopefully you, uh, you've enjoyed hearing his uh, career extended going through the playoffs. Let's stay on Diamondbacks for just a little bit before we dive into football. Diamondbacks a winner 11-2. It still sounds hilarious to say. On Saturday, Merrill Kelly, wonderful. Six and a third innings pitch, no earned runs. But just listen to this stat. This is crazy. I think you saw the game, but in case you didn't, double for Marte, RBI single Carroll, Tommy Pham a single, then Christian Walker a double, then Gabby Moreno a three-run homer, then after a ground out from Lourdes Gurriel, Alec Thomas with a walk, and Evan Longoria then with an RBI double. Those first five guys all got on base. Clayton Kershaw became the first player in postseason baseball history to allow the first five batters to all get a hit and all score. Now, the World Series, if you didn't know, started in 1903. 1903. Now, John McGraw won the 1904 National League pennant, and John McGraw hated the American League. Because when he played for the Baltimore Orioles in the American League, not the Baltimore Orioles of today, an original Baltimore Orioles, when he played for them, he did something ridiculous to an umpire, punched him, and got suspended for a couple games by Ban Johnson, the guy that ran the American League, the American Association, really. And he was so furious at Ban Johnson that when John McGraw won the National League pennant, he refused to play the American League. Because it was a loose agreement that they would do this. It had just started the year before. So he said, that's an inferior league. I'm not playing against the junior circuit. And still hung a banner to start the 1905 season with a flag that said 1904 World Champions. Even though they didn't even play the World Series. That's who John McGraw was. Well, then after that, from 1905 all the way until the strike year of 94, there was a World Series. So you had all of those postseasons and no pitcher had ever gotten destroyed at the beginning of a game, like what the Diamondbacks did to Clayton Kershaw, who is a surefire Hall of Famer. They raked him. That's how hot the Diamondbacks were at the beginning of that game. And then Gabby Moreno being that young with a three-run homer. Top of the second. This is what I thought was an important part of the game. Okay, you're up 5 nothing. You know, or 6 nothing. Nice job. Nice job. You're up 6 nothing. But you still have... The entire entirety of eight innings from the second through the ninth for the Dodgers to come back in the game. And they turn right around at the top of the second. Solo homer, Corbin Carroll to lead off. Base hit, hit by pitched, uh, a double and a sack fly. So they score another three runs. It's just like a sign to the Dodgers. We're not stopping. We're not stopping. And I thought that was hugely, hugely important in this. All right, let's look ahead to uh, game two. Uh, game two uh, is huge because if you win game two, it's over. Now, technically, it's not over. Of course, the Dodgers could win three straight. Yes, they could. But I just don't see how they're going to go through another outing of both Merrill Kelly and Zach Allen and beat them both and win two games in Arizona, which is all what the Dodgers would have to do. Are they good enough to do that? Of course they are. 
But I, I think this is the series today, and I like the Diamondbacks doing well. I like Zach Gallen doing well. Tori Lavella was asked in the Workday press conference what level of confidence the, the team has right now, and, and where did that confidence really start rolling from? I'll go back to the Chicago series in in, um, in Wrigley against the Cubs. We felt like we had to go in and um, and 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 make up some ground and some and we were playing the Cubs and it was just you know direct competition. We saw where they were and they were the first wild card team at that time. Uh, and then coming home and probably game two, the extra inning game two win was a big a big push for us emotionally that um, we have a chance to come out the next day and sweep them, which we ended up doing. Uh, and I think the team took off from there. Then I think we got a little numbers conscious. We started at the end of the year. Um, you know, you start to have different types of meetings, different types of conversations that you have to have as a group. And we ended up losing four in a row. But that third, that third day, the Saturday, I felt like there was a collective exhale in our clubhouse. Like, we got in, we fought, we earned it. Now let's go out and do what we do best. So for me, those were a couple couple key points, but obviously when in the first day in Milwaukee, coming back on Corbin Burns, I think told us the story that we're, we could beat anybody at any time. They did start playing a little better, but they had another streak in there. So it's interesting he goes back to that Cubs series of where they, their confidence went. He went somewhere really different in this. If you don't, uh, Let me set it up for you just briefly. So in the playoffs, one seed, two seed, the two best division winners get a bye. So that's Braves and Dodgers. Then the worst division winner plays the worst wild card winner. So that's why the Diamondbacks traveled to Milwaukee. Milwaukee won the Central. Best wild card goes up against the middle wild card. So that's why the Phillies had the three-game series with the Marlins. I am totally in favor of reseeding the playoffs. I think it's dumb that they don't. What the phrase reseeding means is technically you're not really reseeding. The Diamondbacks remain as the sixth seed. But instead of there's two ways to have a tournament like this, a bracket or a reseed. Bracket means it's already funneled in in which the three and the, the four and the five team are going into a bracket where they're forced to play the one team no matter what happens in the three versus six because the assumption is three wins and if the assumption is three wins well then the one seed would rather play the four or the five than play the three I think it should be reseeded. I think it's stupid. The Diamondbacks should have the hardest path to get there. Okay? No doubt. You're the sixth seed. You're the worst wild card. You should have to go to Atlanta. You should not get any advantages by knocking off the Brewers. But that conversation has been flipped to not the Diamondbacks getting the hardest path as the sixth seed but that the Braves should be playing the Diamondbacks because it's not fair. They have to take on a better Phillies team. So it's become a Diamondbacks slam versus a Diamondbacks path type of conversation. So when Tori Lovello was asked about the scenario of just what kind of statement do you think you guys made beating the Brewers, being up 1-0 on the Dodgers, he actually goes straight at the conversation of whether or not the playoffs need receded. I'd hope so. Um, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers were not a pushover team, and we played good baseball against them. Um, and I think this team has a chip on its shoulder. I think we take it personal when we when we watch some of some of the comments on television or see some read some of the things where everybody wanted to be reseeded. The Braves 
you know, reseed reseed this thing so the Braves can can pick on the lowly Diamondbacks. So I think I think this team takes that very personally, and um, hopefully people are recognizing that. You can't just walk all over us. We're a good baseball team. We do things right. We do it in a very uncommon way. We care about things that other teams probably don't care about or talk about. And it's showing up every single day for us. So he didn't quite say chip on the shoulder. But Zach Allen came in later. And Zach Allen was asked, would you, Tori told us about you guys playing with a little bit of an edge. Nobody cares about you. You don't belong here. Would you clarify, would you classify you guys playing with a chip on your shoulder? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I'd venture to say that other than the 26 guys, 28 guys in that clubhouse, um, I don't know anyone else you know, thinks that we should be here, deserves, you know, thinks that we deserve to be here. So I think, yeah, I think, you know, and the guys in the clubhouse, you know, know it's a good team. Um, and I think anyone that's been following baseball know, knows that we're a good team and we hit a little bit of a, I guess, skid in the second half, you could call it. But, yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, it's definitely a, a team that's probably overlooked. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think a chip on the shoulders, you know, probably a good way to summarize it. I like that. Very matter of fact, too. Chip on the shoulder. That's not going to win you a game. You know, right now the Dodgers are fired up, okay? And they they still have Mookie Betts. They still have Freddie Freeman. And if you haven't been following the Dodgers much, if you're just kind of jumping in now, this Bobby Miller kid, okay, he might pitch like a rookie tonight, but he's got some nasty stuff. Nasty stuff. Really, his motion looks the exact same between his fastball and and, all, and I wouldn't call it his junk, but uh, he's got a good changeup, but a slider. that that I love the motion of Miller. It's going to be hard to pick up. This is going to be a tough test. Okay, lastly from Zach Gallon is this shows you how analytical he is all the time. But he was asked whether or not he noticed some things, picked up some things, had the release and the touch that he wanted coming out of Milwaukee, and he can then carry over some of the stuff he learned from the Milwaukee start into this start against the Dodgers. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's been a season-long kind of just – I guess you could say grind of just trying to, you know, make sure that feel, you know, feels how I wanted to. Um, but it, I mean, it's, you can, you can bring so many things into the game, but you know, there's nothing you can replicate to get out there with the adrenaline, um, you know, burns on base, guys standing in the box, stuff like that. Um, but I felt all right going into the game in Milwaukee, felt like just some timing things clicked. Um, so that's kind of what my focus is right now. Gave up two runs in the bottom of the first and then pretty much lights out after that. So hopefully he pitches just as well. Had a good season, borderline great season, but he raised the bar so high in 2022 that he didn't come anywhere near hitting the 2022 bar, but still had a good year. His numbers, 17-9. and Wins, losses are are what they are. Uh, 347 ERA, good. Good. You know, not great, good. Like really good, and then a 112 whip. You want anything to be under 115, 1.15 or below is really good. And he was at 1.12. The catch is Bobby Miller, his opposing starter, 1.10. Walks 
plus hits divided by innings pitched. It's a rating in a sense of how good you are keeping people off the bases. Because the more people that get on the bases, the more reliant you are on striking the next guy out or you're going to give up a hit, somebody scores. So you're in charge of keeping the traffic off the bases. It's a, it's a way to kind of try to remove some of the defensive stats so it's more of you independently pitching the game and how well you're doing. Uh, not like FIP, which is field independent pitching, which is another lesson for another day. <laughs> All right. Diamondbacks today, 6.07. First pitch against the Dodgers. Game two in L.A. Games three and four, Wednesday and Thursday, back in Chase Field. God forbid, but if it's needed, game five on Saturday in L.A. All right, coming up next, football, football, football. Got to talk Cardinals? Talk ASU, talk U of A, and talk to Steve McCollum. And somehow we're going to cram all of that in in the next 45 minutes and keep the roll going on versus Vegas. Tell you more about that next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. It's hot. We've had a pretty hot summer here in Arizona. Who can you trust with your air conditioning? There's only one place my family has ever trusted in Arizona, and that's Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. Call 602 to repair. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. And the reason why I suggest them to you as passionately as I possibly can is I know they've showed up on time to my home every time. And they've gotten it right the first time, every time. And they've treated me fairly every time. What else can you say? Plus, they don't charge anything for nights, weekends, emergencies. That means something. Because when your air conditioner goes out in the summer in Arizona, that's an emergency. You need repairs fast. And you can trust Parker and Sons. How do I know? Because my family does. 6022 repair. That's 602, the number two, then R E P A I R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. And uh, I, I can never thank you enough. Thanks for being a member of the Unplugged Army, watching Doug Franz Unplugged. Don't forget Whirlwind Plus, the incredible plan where you save tons of money, even if you're a beginning golfer. You normally want to play inexpensive courses as you're learning, and Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass would be expensive for a beginner. Well, now, wow, Jeff, your production on fire. Now with this Whirlwind Plus plan, it's unbelievable savings, either $34 a month or save even more money if you do a one-time upfront fee of $2.99 a year. And if you sign up for it, you save 15% on the Pro Shop, 15% at Civlik, where you're going to be drinking beer and eating lunch anyway. And then even better is you get the lowest rate that day 
And you can sign up within five days of your tea time. So the savings are crazy. That's Whirlwind Plus. If you want to make it easy to find it, go to unplugged.whirlwind.com. That's the website you see right now here on Doug Franz Unplugged that Jeff Weir just put up for you. Whirlwind, or excuse me, unplugged at whirlwind.com. Listen, Mario Cristobal is the head coach of Miami football, and he knows more about football than I do. But I I get so mad when coaches ruin things for kids. This is one of the dumbest coaching decisions I've ever seen in my life. And so for the first time in my 30 years in, in sports broadcasting, I have to talk Miami, Georgia Tech. But I cannot believe what I saw. I don't want to get in your way. See if you catch what's going on. I'll explain in a second. Here you go. Straight ahead, tackled, and the ball popped out. He's going to read the clock. I mean, read the card. I mean, to me, Georgia Tech has it with 26 seconds left. Kyle Kennard comes up with the fumble. You should not be running the football. I mean, it it is. You should be taking a knee. As long as you milk it all the way down, you don't need to be doing this, and you certainly don't need to be. Fighting for extra yards. Okay. Singleton, the fastest. Oh, you show this. Keep this going, Jeff. I shouldn't have interrupted. Here's King from the pocket. Flush to his right with six. Five. Going to loop it downfield. And ball is caught. Touchdown, Georgia Tech. With one second to go in the ball game, Christian Leary hauls it in. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Okay, now. Here's what's insane about this, and great job by the color analyst. This time, you don't have to worry about showing the bomb. I don't need the Georgia Tech part, but I'm going to want you to show you the play. I don't care whether he fumbled or not. There's two things to notice here as the play's beginning. Look at the clock in the lower right-hand corner. The reason why that's important is it's running. So it shows you that it's a running clock. Now, whenever a play ends... There's 40 seconds on the play clock. If the game clock is under 40 seconds, it's impossible to stop the game without a timeout. Then look over at the Georgia Tech score and you'll see three little notches that are blank. Georgia Tech is out of timeouts. The only way you can lose this game is if you have a doofus for a head coach. I'm being totally serious. I'm not trying to be a jerk to the Cristobal family. I have never seen something dumber in my life as a guy that watches football. If you take a knee at the 32-second mark, the game ends. The game ends. And yet they do this. Running clock. No timeouts. And they go. The clock was at 32 seconds when they snapped the ball. you read the clock. It was at 32 seconds. Georgia Tech has it with 26 seconds left. Kyle Kennard comes up with the football. Keep it rolling because listen to the color analyst. You should not be running the football. I mean, it, it is, you should be taking a knee. As there you long go. as you milk it all the way down, you don't need to be doing this. And you certainly don't need to be fighting for extra yards okay you get in the production Uh, that i sit here flabbergasted at the ignorance i don't know what it's like to stand on a division one college football sideline i don't why i do but but i don't know what it's like to coach i don't know what kind of things are going on in your head and i know there will never be a day this statement's going to be put to the test never but i guarantee america 
If there's less than 40 seconds remaining in a running game clock and I have the lead, I will not snap, snap the football. I've always told you, vote for me, I'll give you three. All right. I don't care what position you want me to run for in the state of Arizona as soon as I get elected. From I-17, all of I-17, three lanes. There will be three lanes from Flagstaff over right into where it hits the 10 the second time on the loop. And from Quartzite to Douglas, we're getting three lanes everywhere. And people will get arrested and serve 10 days in jail for camping in the left lane. And thirdly, we will take a knee when we're up inside of 30, 40 seconds with a running clock. Thank you. I'm Doug Franz, and no one approves my messages. I just could not believe it. I had to, I, like, I interrupted our football coverage today to play, to play that stupidity for you. I couldn't take it. All right, Cardinals. Uh, turnovers, terrible. That pick six was really bad. Really bad yesterday here is uh i want to get to jonathan gannon and here's what he had to say about the turnovers yeah i mean i think where do we lose the takeaway belly three one you know it's just a hard way to go um you know we got to do a better job execution wise protecting the football that's all 11 um and uh we got to get that cleaned up because if you're playing the, if you're losing the takeaway battle our guys know that's a winning stat and you're not going to win a lot of games so if I do 45 things right, one thing wrong, what do you think? Am I doing okay? 15-play drive for the Bengals. They score a touchdown, big deal. And then very next play, sack, fumble, strip, Bengals ball. DJ Humphreys got whooped on that play. That sack fumble is 100% DJ Humphreys' fault. The problem is DJ had a good game. He had a good game. So, like, I feel dumb ripping DJ Humphreys when you won your individual battle about 95% of the time yesterday. But the one time you didn't, boom, bad fumble. So there's one of the turnovers. That pick six on Dobbs, that was horrible. That is 100% on Dobbs. And let me explain why it's on Dobbs. If you ever watch that play again, watch DJ Turner. He is the the, uh, nickel corner on that play. And he'll be at the top of your screen. And what he does is he telegraphs the blitz. He comes in early and a quarterback that's aware of his surroundings would immediately know that's a vacated area. That means the only player that can cover Zach Ertz is the middle linebacker coming, the weak side linebacker coming all the way across. And if he's going to come across to try to cover uh, Zach Ertz, I don't know why I said weak side linebacker when that's the tight end side, but if that, that linebacker, the Sam's going to try to get all the way out there and cover him? No way. That ball's got to go to Zach Ertz or it's got to go to the left. You've got a linebacker in a corner against a wide receiver and a, uh, and a tight end and no safety help on that side. You've got to go left once you see that blitzing corner. He doesn't see it, so he's already focused on the right-hand side. There's too much traffic. You also had, uh, I believe it was Hubbard, who faked like he was going to rush, popped into that zone, created an overthrow. That's The issue isn't which receiver on the right he chose. It's not seeing Turner and getting the ball to the left. That was a bad turnover, but I do appreciate how Dobbs accepted the turnovers as being his fault. Yeah, you know, um, turnovers are tough. We talk, we take pride in taking care of the football, and um, 
you know, both of those are on me, you know, especially, you know, you're about to go into the lead, go into the half with the lead um, in that area of the field, right? Like, I got to be extremely smart and take care of the football, like, no matter what the circumstance is. So, um, yeah, that's tough. You give them a cheap one going into the half. And then, you know, the fourth down one, we got we to gotta make a play. Um, but obviously, you know, the fumble um, to start off a drive, and we felt like, you know, we go down and score a touchdown there. It's a three-point, four-point game, and um, anyone's game from there, yeah, they're tough. They're tough. So we take pride um, in taking care of the football on our offense. It really starts there. You know, as we've seen throughout the season, when we take care of the football, we give ourselves a chance, and we're in game. So um, that's going to be a big point of emphasis pushing for it. There is nothing dumber that I could possibly do than to rip Dobbs mentally. This guy is so much smarter as a human being than I am. He is so much smarter about football than I I mean, it just, you talk about a pointless exercise, okay? And yet, hey, it's unplugged, right? He really had a dumb game. He's not a dumb man. Don't make that leap. We all do dumb things at work. He made a ton of mental errors in this game. Could be his worst game ever. He took a sack on a naked bootleg when you know you've got to get rid of it. There's no help out there. Or you just got to run and get as many yardage. But you're on a naked boot. You're so far away from the line of scrimmage. Throw it away. You're outside the tackle box. Reclaim the down and then try to get back and not lose any more yardage than you would have on an incomplete pass. He had a lot of check downs that were early in his uh, in his read. And he always he kept trying to see, can I get one? One more read in. Can I get it to one more person? Your reads are supposed to be binary. Is he open? Yes, throw it. Is he not open? Then boom, go to the next read. It's not okay. Read number two is open. Let's see if read number three is better. That's not the way it works because your linemen are blocking like you're getting rid of the ball. You've got to get rid of it. And there were way too many times Dobbs had a check down early in his reads, decided, I want to see what else is out there. Nothing was there. And then he went back to his read and it was either late or he got sacked or got hit in pressure. Not a good game by Dobbs. And then that pick six, just horrendous pick six, bad. So Jamar Chase, if you didn't see it, 15 receptions, 192 yards, three touchdowns. Here's some names. I don't know if you know your Bengals history. Chris Collinsworth, Chad John- uh, Johnson when he was normal before Ocho Cinco. Isaac Curtis, A.J. Green as a Cardinal, you see him kind of washed up. But A.J. Green was a great Bengals receiver. And Carl Pickens was really good. T.J. Hushmanzada, pretty good. Um, Jamar Chase had a franchise record receptions. No Bengal in the history of the franchise since the late 60s had ever even had 14 receptions. The record was 13. Jamar Chase went for 15. This is the most upset I've heard Jonathan Gannon when he was asked the combo package of you got blitzkrieged by one player last week in Christian McCaffrey. Now this week it's one player. And granted, they're good players. But you knew there were good players going on. What, what's happening with the defense against elite performers? Yeah, yeah, we uh, and you know that I think you know it seemed like he caught a lot of balls today for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. So obviously, as uh, 
uh, a defensive staff, myself being the leader of that, we didn't do enough on that side. You can't let their best player beat you, and that's what we just did. So that falls solely on me, um, and we can't let that happen again. So point blank, there's the game on defense. You let their best player beat you. I'm pissed off about it. It's my fault, and uh, we got to get that cleaned up. I like that he was that strong. And I want to give him a little bit of room because it's easy to say, how did you not know Jamar Chase is good? Listen, that had so much to do with no Buddha and Thompson getting hurt. You, you, can't, you, you came into the season due to the terrible decisions of Michael Bidwell to keep um, Steve Keim as long as he did, the terrible decision to demote Terry McDonough for a stupid reason because I am alleging that he demoted Terry McDonough for the, for the lack of use of a burner phone or upset that Terry McDonough stood up to him. That's my opinion. Now, you have bad drafts. You have not good corners. You went into the season without spending money on good corners, and now your two safeties are hurt. Jamar Chase is not getting that kind of numbers against a normal NFL-quality back end. Having said that, that's still your job as the coach to make sure that doesn't happen. They look terrible. That was a rough, uh, a rough performance. So they're at the Rams next Sunday. Uh, now let's keep rolling. U of A fans, I really wanted to talk to you and play some Jed Fish for you, but I'm telling you, the audio was awful. So there's no time for us to really talk U of A. But I want to remind you of something, and I want you to think of this. I don't know if Jaden Delore is going to be ready uh, next week. They're at Wazoo, who Wazoo had a tough loss this weekend to UCLA. So they're going up to Wazoo, always hard to play in Pullman. Fafita went 23 or Fafita uh, went 23 of 35, 303 yards, five touchdowns, one pick. The stupid way to end games in college football, endless two-point conversions until there's a break in the tie. USC score and listen, when I say two-point conversions, there's no actual touchdown. Yeah. Once you get into the third overtime, they stop playing real football. They just put the ball on the marker for two uh, two-point conversion and say, go ahead. You didn't score a touchdown, but you can still try to get a two-point conversion. And they just keep adding two points until someone loses. Well, USC scored on theirs. U of A didn't score on theirs. Bam, game's over. Stupid way to end a game. But anyway, I'll be, let me be the first one to say it, and no one's going to believe me. Fafid is my starting quarterback the rest of the year. It's his job until he loses it. I think it's a dumb opinion. You can't lose your job for an injury. Why not? Why not? Because the only reason you say that is you're worried that players won't play hard because they're afraid if they get hurt, someone will take their job. So they play not to get hurt. Listen, if you're playing not to get hurt, I'm going to bench you anyway. I want my best 11 on the field. I want the 11 that's going to give me all they got. And if somebody gets hurt, next man up. Fafita is taking better care of the ball than Delora did. Do I think Delora is a better contra- uh, quarterback? I actually do, and I don't care because Fafita doesn't turn the ball over. And if you don't believe me on this, I love Todd Graham. I really like the man. Dumbest, not dumb, worst thing he did, worst decision he made as head coach is when he benched Mike Bercovici for Taylor Kelly. Taylor Kelly got a bad foot injury, ankle injury in a game against Colorado. Mike Bercovici came in and was on fire, including the Jail Mary upset win at USC. He was great. And then what did they do? When, Terrell Kelly, uh, when, when Taylor Kelly was mostly healthy, they put Kelly back in. Season got derailed. Mistake. 
should have kept Mike Bercovici in there. Even though Burko didn't run the ball like Taylor Kelly did, he moved the chains better with his eyes and his arm and his brain. And I love the man, Taylor Kelly. Mike Bercovici should have been the starter from that point forward. Todd Graham made a mistake. Don't make the same mistake, coach. Jed Fish, that's your starting quarterback. ASU. I am so impressed. <laughs> just like I am with U of A, okay? You just took a great team into three overtimes and that took that to lose you. Jed Fish is doing something amazing. I should have moved on to ASU because I had one more point. U of A fans, get to the games. If you're not getting to the games, that man's out the door, okay? There's no way he remains at U of A. He is proving himself every game. Uh, CKD, the head coach of Arizona State, I'm amazed at these close losses considering talent-wise how far behind everybody else they are. Injury-wise, how far behind everyone else they are. I don't know if a lot of ASU fans see it the same way. I know you want to win, and I know close losses drive you nuts. This is the same team that got shut out by Fresno State. And look what they're doing now and coming this close. And players make those errors. No no coach in the world is coaching players to buy a double move or a short stack kind of uh, alignment late in the game. The rule is very simple. Nobody gets past you. Nobody blows the top off. And what do they do? What do they, do? they let the, the top get blown off at the end of the game. Here is uh, Kenny Dillingham with, I think, an important point to show you how good of a coach he is. Can you pick up what he's really telling you when he was asked about the pressure they were able to put on the Colorado quarterback, Sanders? Yeah, I mean, they're a five-step team. Uh, and we had a good beat on when they were going to five-step just in terms of down and distances. And I thought Coach Ward was putting our guys in good situations. Uh, to attack when they were in their five-step world. So I thought it was good scheme by Coach Ward combined with our guys. We have pretty good rushers, and I thought they did a really nice job uh, pressuring the quarterback. What he's saying right there is basically we know their scheme. They telegraphed what they were doing. He said we got a good beat on what – it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Colorado the rest of the way on whether or not other teams are able to pick up on what ASU picked up on. Now, maybe I'm wrong, and ASU figured out that somebody else had it telegraphed too. Somebody else noticed whatever this tick is in the Colorado offense. But right now, whenever Sanders takes a five-step drop, they're clearly tipping something off to defensive coordinators to let them – them know and that's when you get into your te gains your little games uh te twist so that would mean a situation where the tackle instead of necessarily rushing at the quarterback the tackle will more rush into the gap to make the guard offensive guard and offensive tackle end up blocking him both and then the defensive end fakes like he's going up the field to run the hoop and then slips back inside and runs right between the center and the guard untouched Okay, that's a usually call that a game, a twist or a stunt. Well, I guarantee you ASU picked up on something with the five-step drops that let us know they're not running the football and they were able to pin their ears back and get some pressure. They got enough pressure that turnover should should have happened. They didn't happen. But the ASU kids are getting better. Okay, they are getting better. I was impressed with that. And then, of course, there's always a speech. And it's important, though, we don't have time to play the questions for you. But here's one of Kenny Dillingham's speeches. I love it. Some people don't love it. 
But imagine the question, which is, what do you need to do, coach, with all of these close losses to keep these guys up, to keep these guys trying and motivated? Yeah, that's easy. I mean, up and together, are you competitive? I mean, or for lack of a better word, are you a loser? Like, are you going to go compete and go get better, or are you going to quit? It's very, very simple. So in terms of getting guys motivated to play, I mean, if we have to get guys motivated to go practice and motivated to go play, this is not the place for you, right? Like I said, I've been in this exact scenario. Year one, taking over a program. You just can't find out how to win. Don't know how to do it yet. You're trying to find a way. Every single time there's an opportunity, you find a different way to lose, right? When it clicks, we're playing winning football, but we're not winning, which means we're very, very close, and you don't know when it's going to click. You don't know. But when it clicks, we're ready for it because we're playing significantly better football than we did at the start of the year. And I think for the guys, it's are you going to continue to compete or are you going to quit? And there's really only one option. <laughs> you go back to work and you compete to get better, 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 better. And eventually, right, the bamboo that nobody can see is going to grow. Very simple. You just can't see it. But the growth is happening. I, I think it's important because when you hear him say we're playing winning football, it's easy for you to ask, wait, wait, wait. You let a guy get deep on one of the last plays of the game when everybody knows they want to go deep and you say you're playing winning football? I get that. But look at the stats of the last two games. The only stat that matters, as we know, is the score. But the stats of the last two games – show that ASU won the game statistically. So when you're losing games that you won statistically, that shows you're making dumb plays at inopportune times. And that's part of weeding that out. Sometimes it's weeding the kid out. Sometimes it's learning from those mistakes and not playing panicked football. And you've got to go through this. And that's what he meant by I've already been here. Year one, taking over a program at Auburn. Year one, taking over a program at Memphis. Year one, taking a program over at Florida State. He knows this type of thing. It wasn't year one for the coaching staff in Oregon, so that's a, that's a little bit different of a situation for him. And then I also want to know, do you see things before the game leading into it? I think this is a big deal. He was asked about the targeting call on the punt and the personal foul. And you'll never guess the stat he told his kids to look out for. Not needed, right? Today, we always do a football 101, and our football 101 on Friday before we left was shielding blocks. And then we go and get a blindside block. And uh, just not winning football. That's a great example of not winning football. And you're not going to win games doing things like that. And, uh, you know, it's a good learning experience for them. Uh, but uh, those are critical plays in the game. I mean, we had more personal fouls in this game than all of our games combined. I mean, and we talked about it going into the week that Colorado leads the country in getting teams to create personal fouls against them. And uh, we talked about it Monday. We talked about it on Friday. And uh, we fell right into it. Good. Uh, I, I love that. He already said, this team is the best team in the nation at getting you to commit a personal foul. And what happened? They get a personal foul. It really shows you as a player, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. Now let's get into something I actually disagree with Kenny Dillingham on. And it shows you how much thought he put into this. But 
You've got Arizona State with the ball down by a point, minute to go in the game, and they don't go for two. They kick the extra point to tie. Age-old rule, tie at home, kick on the road, or go for it on the road. Try to, try to break a tie on the road. Go for the tie at home, win in overtime. I, I think they should have gone for two. Coach, why did you kick the extra point? We were struggling protecting. So the prior drives were struggling. They were in a two-Tampa-ish look that they were playing in a lot of third and five pluses. And uh, the prior situations like that, we were struggling. So you get a five-man box. Um, you should be able to bomb it and hand it versus softbox and have a really clean run. Uh, just more of a philosophy thing. You know, in other games, we've done the same thing and been successful in third and long. So knowing we were going to get a soft box and uh, a cloud coverage, we felt like five for five in the box. It's a good opportunity to uh, pop one. That was a question. Uh, he answered the question, why go for a long run on third and long when that's probably not going to hit it? Good answer. Um, I don't have time to play the other one, but I'll just give you a quick rundown. By the way, I told Jeff Weir Production play the one that he played. 15 minutes ago, and, and then didn't update him. So that's on me. Um, but here's the thing. He said they didn't want to go for two right there because with that much time left, losing the game meant Colorado would be more aggressive. He thought they had a better chance of winning with Colorado less aggressive, not going uh, as aggressively to win the game, and then in that situation, being calm, and once they're calm, let's try to win it in overtime. He had a really good reason. I want to say I disagree very simply for this reason. They're better than you, and you're two yards away from winning the game. I'd rather go for the win when I know they're better than me than play more football against them. And I think he made a mistake. And I plan on talking to him about it, to be quite honest. There you go. Okay, coming up next, let's find out what's going on with the main event. What is on Steve McCollum's mind, and what did he see? He's the guy that's got season tickets to ASU and the Cardinals. What did he see this weekend? We'll ask him next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Burrito Express started with my father about... 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally, we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Doug Franz unplugged every weekday morning from 6 to 8, part of our six hours of local sports coverage every weekday morning. The only television station in the city that does this is WTSMTV.com. And then from 8 to 10, it's the main event with Steve McCollum. And from then 10 to noon, 
It's Izzy on sports with Isaiah Jackson and uh, thrilled to death that uh, we always have a moment to spend some time with the man that has season tickets to both ASU and the Cardinals, Steve McCollum. Uh, Steve, what was your number one takeaway of the weekend? ASU and Colorado are evenly matched with lack of talent. Oh, that is a very strong take because I think we would all agree ASU's got a long way to go, no, they, but America would mock you on Colorado. Well, I'm impressed with that stance. Then America's not watching Colorado because they have some they have some great players. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, Shador, look, in person, throws a beautiful football, makes great decisions, gets sacked too much, but yep. makes great decisions out there. They do have a lot of talent on that team, but that was just two evenly matched teams going at it. Uh, they both have a long way to go, no doubt about it, uh, on that side, absolutely. And then the Cardinals just took a step back. Yeah, I, I, I'm still a little shocked at the mental mistakes of Dobbs. That's the one area where we, you, we thought we didn't have to worry about. You said that pick six was on him, man. Go back and watch that. That's on the receivers. I mean, hit hit uh, zero in the hands, which got tipped at that mm-hmm. point. Uh, even that coaching admitted the spacing was wrong. So somebody ran a wrong pattern. Oh, I'm not, den- I'm not denying style. that at all. I'm just but saying the, if it's a Kurt Warner, if it's a Carson Palmer, if it's oh. a high football IQ quarterback, they're going to see the blitz okay. from the corner on the other side. And I once saw, you see that, you got to go the other way I, with that ball. I was in Tampa Stadium in 2008, uh, and uh, I watched Kurt Warner throw a slant pattern directly to James Harrison and then return for a touchdown was, right before halftime. Uh, it happened, Stephen, the oh, Hall of th- th- I'm not denying that, but here's what's outstanding about that. This is the, it, To me, that's the greatest play in football history. <laughs> Nobody ever looks at it like that, but I think it's the greatest no, play because it got overshadowed history. by Santonio Holmes at the end. Yeah, no, he only had one foot down. That's why I don't say that. But the thing I've talked to Kurt about that play, and here's what's fantastic. Harrison is not – that's not his responsibility. No. In yeah. all of film, he has never done that yeah. in his life. No, he jumped it, yeah. So for for that to – and even the, the Steelers coaches have admitted that Absolutely. he shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And so when that happens, that's just where you tip your cap and say, Harrison, well, no, you're fantastic. Not, I mean, then they had like 30 chances to push him out of bounds and nobody oh, did yeah. it. I watched Larry Well, Ken Wisenhunt with a good block on Larry yeah. Fitzgerald. Well, then, then I saw Larry running down the field and refused to like shove him out of bounds and just ran beside him for 20 yards. It was just like, whatever. But uh, um, look, but also at the same time, Joe Burrow's healthy. They said all week long he was healthy. I didn't believe him. I'm with you. Uh, I didn't believe you, it either. You need to believe it now. Joe Burrow and the Bengals are back. He throws a ball. He was mobile yesterday. And the other thing is when James Conner went out, that offense became one-dimensional. For the, so you can't put it all on Dobbs because that offense went one-dimensional quickly. Uh, I don't think you can put like any that. loss on one guy. I'm just yeah. saying for Dobbs, we've never seen that many mental errors. The lack yeah. of checkdowns, taking that sack early on yeah, the naked I, boot. Like, it's like, what are you doing? Well, that's the thing. Another slow start for the offense, which was yeah. disappointing. Yeah. It set the tone early. Um, they couldn't uh, – look – Jamar Chase makes a lot of secondaries look terrible. But when you have a depleted secondary on top of it, my God, that guy was not kidding. Yes. He was – I don't know how it looked on television, <laughs> but every time that ball was snapped, Joe Burrow didn't have to look anywhere else. He was just like, I'm throwing it over here, and he's going to go get it. He would throw balls where he would be three steps into his route, and he would just lob it up, and he would just run underneath it. It was the most amazing thing to watch in I want to be understanding, Steve, of who, how many coaches are going to face Burrow and Chase without 
Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker well, and do well. So well, I, I want to be fair, yeah. but here's what drove me nuts. How many times did you see soft coverage of like nine-yard gaps yeah. between the corner and Jamar Chase before somebody said, you know what, even if you're a bad press man corner, you get up and press yeah. and then let's shade the safety over. For some reason, they would shade the safety over, but also play soft coverage. Yeah. So even on simple plays, I agree. he has a clean, he has no jam a clean release. Yeah. How are you going to stop that man with a clean release almost every time? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you, but at the same time, the, in my mind, the philosophy was he's not going to beat us deep. Until he beat him deep right <laughs> yeah, after exactly. halftime. But, exactly. But look, when, when Thompson went out, it changed that secondary ball game. They Not that they had him, you know, most of his catches were, you know, I hate to say it, 12 yards and under. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but once Thompson went out, that's when they started spreading. The, they saw it and they went after it and I they like attacked that. it. They were only averaging 12 yeah. yards a play before yeah, it's pretty bad yeah it's like oh man they, well because uh, in context but you know that look they just played a better team a team that was healthy i picked the cardinals to win because i didn't believe joe burrow was healthy i thought that was bs uh and it's bs he, it's not bs he is 100 healthy folks how about this i haven't announced it yet i wanted to wait until until you're here we have six hours every day of local sports coverage but now we're expanding to having a legend where every Tuesday oh. this has been announced. I'm already, I'm already here, Doug. Uh, yeah, thank you. We have, a, but CEO Chris <laughs> has always already put out a flyer, but we haven't talked about it on WTSMTV.com <laughs> yeah, yeah. yet. The famous Bruce Cooper. Coop, the, the man with all the secret sources from 12 News all of those years, wants to get back into television, but he just wants to do it on like, hey, I'm retired, yeah. I'm going to follow the game, give you my opinion, and go home, and not have to work on cutting stuff up, yeah. not be doing all the stuff he did as an anchor. Bruce Cooper of 12 News is going to do a new show every Tuesday with us. Yeah, absolutely. Right, uh, right after Izzy's show at noon, right? Noon to one, and then you got organic football, so on Tuesday. Tuesdays, man, you got uh, eight hours of. Yes. Is my math right? Yes. Eight hours of uh, programming. <laughs> Carry the one. Yeah, Good right? job, Cal. Divide by six. Uh, am, yeah, no, that's exciting news. I'm isn't looking that forward awesome? to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. I'm, I'm really excited about it because uh, he just brings, uh, he'll bring a different perspective than any of us have, right? I mean, you give the deep dives. I give uh, the entertainment and sports side and make fun of a lot of stuff, you know, and Dale, Dale kind of uh, drags me along with him to be serious. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Izzy's uh, gets you all caught up on everything and updated. And then Bruce, Bruce just brings that old time perspective. That's oh, exciting yeah. to be here. And, and you talk, most importantly to me, you talk about a guy with sources, the people that he talks mm-hmm. to, the text uh, chains that I've been on with him before, that he's on with other people. It's it's unbelievable what this guy knows. So we have dramatically enhanced our programming with the addition of a man that's uh, that strong. All right, you got 10 seconds. What's coming up on the main uh, event? Look, college football, we do our NFL. Most of our NFL talk, of course, we talk Cardinals today, uh, and then most of our NFL talk is tomorrow and the week close out. Uh, lots of college football stuff out there, and you're wrong, Jaden uh, uh, Delora. Go ahead and finish. I just wait for that to finish. Uh, Jane Delora, I said two weeks ago, should never start again in the game. Uh, now when the redshirt freshman comes in and uh, almost beats Washington, almost beats USC, uh, and it's only throwing two interceptions, 600-plus yards, eight touchdowns, you have a starter there, Arizona, and his name uh, and is a redshirt freshman, not Delora. It's 
If he goes back to Delora, uh, Jed Fish should be fired well, on the spot. I have to know. Why am I wrong then? I well, said no, you're right on oh, that, okay. but I said it two weeks ago. You're wrong. Oh, I see, I see. You waited until he played well. I, oh, I said it two weeks I ago. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm going with Fafita as sorry. the uh, starting Yeah, sorry to interrupt uh, there, but I had a, I had a brag. That's all right. So, uh, Steve McCollum coming up in just a second. He's got everything for you. Yes, the exciting news. We're jacked up about this. I, I couldn't believe when my friend Jeff approached me with the opportunity to do this. Think about all the things the great Bruce Cooper could be doing. And he says, you know what? I want to do a TV show, and I want to do it with WTSM. Yeah. You don't have to give me credit for that. You're welcome, Jeff. So it starts coming up tomorrow, and you heard uh, Steve saying, how awesome is that? Right as a lead-in to the organic football show, jacked up for that every Tuesday, right at noon at the end of Izzy on Sports. This is this is awesome. This is awesome for us. And uh, I, I can't hide my enthusiasm to have a guy like Coop coming on uh, with us. It's really cool. Now eight hours of local programming every Tuesday from 6 a.m. all the way to 2 p.m. We're pretty fired up uh, about that. So, uh, you know what? And we'll, we'll get Bruce on the show tomorrow to promote what he's doing uh, coming up. All right. Versus Vegas. Uh, I'm pretty, pretty jacked up here. Pretty jacked up for uh, how well I'm doing right now on Versus Vegas. I told you that Oh, I had no idea whether or not Ohio would be able to cover the 24 points. But I knew my Bobcats would crush the over. The over on that game was the total was 45 and a half. I said the Bobcats might even cover it themselves. But with Kent, this one's easy. And we got that one right. Ohio a winner 42 to 17 over Kent, easily going over the 45 and a half. I thought this was a bad line from Vegas. I don't know why they didn't know what we knew. San Francisco minus only three and a half. Minus only three and a half against Dallas. That one was easy. San Francisco wins 42 to 10. The last one I can see with the way the Chiefs were struggling, why Vegas didn't love it. But I think the Vikings are bad. So I took the Chiefs minus the three and a half on the road. They were a winner, 27 to 20. So we went 3-0 and over the weekend. Feels pretty good. Good enough to sneeze. God bless me on that. Sorry I didn't have a cough button, so you had to hear that. But 3-0 on the day. That means since my dis- – not disasters. I went 3-4-1 and the last weekend. Since that bad weekend – Monday through this weekend, on the last seven days, I'm 9-1-1. That constitutes a heater. That constitutes a heater. Today, I don't like that Packers-Raiders game. I'm not touching it. I got two games I'm looking at. Diamondbacks-Dodgers. I got both bad juice, though, I got to tell you. I'm at about minus 150 and minus 160 on my juice here. But I got the Diamondbacks plus one and a half against the Dodgers. I think the Diamondbacks are going to win today. But if I'm getting a run and a half, why not take it? So as, lo- as long as the Dodgers don't win by two or more, I'm a winner. So I'm going to take the Diamondbacks plus the one and a half. And I like the other National League game. The Braves aren't getting shut out twice. Atlanta on the money line against Philadelphia. That means I can win a one-run game. Great juice. 
if you want to take the Braves to win by two or more. Great juice uh, for the for Atlanta, minus one and a half. Uh, I'm not going to take them on the run line because I do think the Phillies are good, but I don't think you're beating the Braves twice in, in Atlanta's ballpark. No way are you going to sell me on that. So I'm going to take Atlanta on the money line and try to keep this train going. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I got Steve might talk about this today. Izzy might talk about this today. But I want to tell you, I'm going to be talking about tomorrow. There's going to be some changes for your ability to watch Doug Franz Unplugged On Demand. But I'll give you a secret code on tomorrow's show so those changes don't affect you, okay? So please pay attention. Tomorrow's Doug Franz Unplugged. I'm giving you a secret code. So the price structure of Doug Franz Unplugged, of the main event, of Izzy on Sports, of all of our WTSM TV programming, it's going to change at the end of the month. But tomorrow I'm giving you the secret code so that change doesn't affect you, and I think you're going to want it. So please make sure you're listening and watching Doug Franz Unplugged coming up tomorrow to learn more about what's going on here at WTSMTV.com. Thanks a lot to Bell's Nashville Kitchen for being the first ever sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. My breakfast yesterday was absolutely fantastic. My beer was cold. And to Camille, I'm sorry I said start Dobbs. And I just tell you, start watching the Organic Football Podcast every Tuesday and Sunday here on WTSMTV.com. And you don't have to rely on me at all. You want the best breakfast burrito in the history of the world? You want one of the seven locations of Burrito Express on the east side. If you want to start getting prepared for the weather to change a little bit, you're going to want Parker and Sons heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. Now is a great time to have those guys check how your air conditioner and your ductwork was able to make it through the summer and to be able to save you a lot of money coming up in the future by getting a check and joining the Parker family plan. Rosati's is the official sports bar of Doug Franz Unplugged. They're located in only the one, however, at Ray and McQueen and Chandler. All the other Rosati's, they're not in the Unplugged Army. Please don't forget that. And if you get a second today, go to unplugged at whirlwind.com. Unplugged at whirlwind.com. That website will show you the new Whirlwind Plus plan for you to save a ton of money and still get to play an elite golf course. Join the Whirlwind Plus plan for only $34 a month or $299 a year in which the savings pays for itself in a very limited amount of golf outings. You could pay that $399 and just golf maybe three times a year and you've already saved money by doing it. That's how much the savings are if you join the Whirlwind Plus plan. Thanks a lot for joining me on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I love today's show. Thanks to Jeff Weir Production for everything that we needed to get going tomorrow. Lots of talk of D-backs Dodgers hopefully coming home with a 2-0 lead. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.